Hey there, spooky friends. It's Megan. And before we hop into the episode, I want to tell y'all a little bit about what we've got coming up in person next. We're so excited to announce that our friends at Little Cottage Brewing have invited us back for a monthly spot with trivia. So that means it's time to mark your calendars with a few dates to come hang out with us and play along. On December 13th, join us for Creepy Holiday Trivia, where we'll have questions ranging from spooky holiday traditions around the world, mischievous holiday mythical beings, holiday-themed horror movies, and more. Then, on January 17th, join us again for a deck themed around fears and phobias. Last but not least on the calendar is February 14th for a theme of romance and scorned lovers in horror. We can't wait to see you on December 13th, January 17th, and February 14th for some excellent craft beer and a scary good time. Okay, 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 I get it. Now, on to the episode. Hey there again, ghoulies. Welcome back to another mini-sode of Clever Ghouls. I'm Megan, and today we're going to be dissecting some gender imbalances in our favorite horror films. But we're not only going to be tapping into our feminist rage here, though, and looking into the misrepresentation of women, we're also going to be heavily digging into some of the stereotyping of men as well, and also discussing how horror is serving as kind of a battering ram for breaking down gendered stereotyping and balancing the scales of representation. Gender imbalances in horror films have been a long-standing issue, with our female characters often being depicted as victims and men constantly being the physical embodiment of toxic masculinity and gender non-conforming characters either being totally nowhere to be found or typecast as monsters. This narrative structure both reinforces the gender binary and perpetuates the idea that women are fragile victims and men are saviors and aggressors. It is impossible to deny horror's incredibly gendered history, and I talk about this a lot in my mini-sode Last Girl Standing, The Evolution of the Final Girl. And in that episode, I reference Carol Clover's book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in the Modern Horror Film, where Clover identifies the issue of the limited number of gendered roles available for women in slasher films, and which in turn have created stereotypes around gender and sexuality in our films. But the treatment of women in horror films is often associated with the fear of the abject, and Julia Kristeva is one of the most influential theorists behind this theory of objection. Kristeva is a Bulgarian-French philosopher, literary critic, psychoanalyst, and feminist. She explored an influential and formative overview of this concept of objection in her 1980 work, Powers of Horror, an essay on abjection, where she describes subjective horror, or abjection, as the feeling when an individual experiences or is confronted by the sheer experience of what she calls one's typically repressed corporeal reality. Kristeva's concept of objection is commonly used to analyze pop culture narratives of horror and discriminatory behavior manifesting in things like misogyny, homophobia, and more. This concept of abjection builds on the traditional psychoanalytical theories of those like Sigmund Freud and Jacques Lacan, whose studies often narrowed in on the experience of the disintegration of personal distinctions through things like neurosis and Freud and psychosis and Lacan. She further explains the abject as something rejected from which one does not part, from which one does not protect itself from. Kristeva asserts that many are horrified by the abject because it is something that disgusts us, yet it comes from us or from which we came. And horror films frequently use the feminine body as a form of an object. Aviva Briefel states in her article Monster Pains, Masochism, Menstruation, and Identification in the Horror Film that menstruation is often the start of monstrosity in our stories. Once a girl has reached puberty, she's seen as monstrous. And horror films feed into that female monstrous identity 
through menstruation, since this is often a point of contrast from the biological male anatomy and physiology. Motherhood and menstruation have become things which society is taught to fear and find disgusting. I dig into the nuances of how society's unfair expectations of women's have spiraled into their own subgenre of horror. So if you haven't listened to Mommy Dearest yet, definitely go check that one out too for even more content. But Speaking of minisodes, let's get back to that one that I mentioned earlier that I did on the evolution of the final girl. I'll give you a quick TLDR in case you haven't listened yet, but basically the term final girl was coined by Carol Clover in that book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws in 1992. But this trope has been a long established thing in our horror films, particularly in our slasher movies. It refers to the woman standing who, after experiencing immense loss and suffering and witnessing the turmoil and death of every around her is miraculously still alive somehow to confront the killer, and she is abject terror personified. Clover also argues that to applaud the final girl as a feminist development is, in light of her figurative meaning, a particularly grotesque expression of wishful thinking. Maybe the final girl herself is the feminism we want to enjoy, but the demonizing of other women is the misogyny that we need to leave in the past. But now we're deep into this new era of horror, and the final girl trope has evolved into something much more meaningful, even though it has for decades danced that line between misogyny and feminism. But even with all this, are our favorite horror films anti-woman. Horror films have long been a focus of feminist theory, and there have been many criticisms of the genre, from the representation of women, explicit violence against them, and ongoing sexual objectification. However, does this inherently make horror movies misogynistic? And while I think this narrative has shifted so much in more recent years, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that so much of horror and its many subgenres aren't filled to the brim with hypersexualized images of women that pride itself on showcasing the vast amount of violence that we face in our day-to-day lives, or that a large majority of these films weren't made with the male gaze in mind. However, with that said, a lot of these movies that are dripping with this violent and sexual imagery are are created to make loud political statements. Is it problematic to seek out these films because you enjoy watching women get graphically tortured and killed? Absolutely. But are there many reasons for depicting violence in these films beyond purely entertainment purposes? Also, yes. Many serious and intentionally horrifying scenes aim to provoke discussion, critical analysis, and make political statements. But for me and a lot of other women, what makes or breaks these depictions being successful or not is who is telling the story and why. Otherwise, it's just men capitalizing on our suffering for their gain and entertainment. Christy Logan, the author of Things We Say in the Dark, once said, I think women, however, are uniquely qualified to write about the horror genre because almost all women are told from childhood that the world is a dangerous place for them. And she's right. But something that makes horror so unique is that it has evolved into a surprisingly feminist space. The Bechtel test, which has become more widely known in recent years, was something that once started as a joke in a webcomic, but is now used to measure the depth of female characters in our movies. A film will pass the Bechtel test if it, one, has more than one female character that is named, and two, if they speak to each other, and three, if that communication that's had is about something other than men. With a staggering average of around 43% of all movies failing this, we can see that women's representation in films are either only through men or revolving around male character stories. However, in genres most likely to pass the Bechdel test, horror came in only second to musicals and it scored just under a 70% pass rate. So the horror genre really should be recognized for its approach and not censoring the horrors of violence 
violence, its ability to tell women's stories, its diverse range of female characters, as well as its ability to position women as constant survivors. While there are many valid reasons for people to critically assess and point out a lot of aspects of misogyny within the genre, there are equally valid reasons to discuss horror's role in changing the game. And with that, I want to read y'all a paragraph from Soraya Roberts' article on why women filmmakers are often shut out of horror and why women's horror stories are so deeply rooted within this genre. She states that the earliest horror films were inspired by gothic literature, a genre pioneered by writers like Anne Radcliffe, who used it to rattle the shackles of gender norms in the Victorian era, their heroines rejecting the claustrophobic roles that they had been bequeathed by a patriarchal society. Horror has acted as a similar outlet for contemporary women, though. And film historian Shelley Stamp, in an article with The Guardian, said that horror, more than any other film genre, deals openly with questions of gender, sexuality. In many ways, horror films bring to the forefront issues that are otherwise unspoken of in a patriarchal society, which often constructs female sexuality as monstrous. And women have a lot of different reasons for watching horror, but watch they do. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, along with movies like The Conjuring, The Purge, and many other recent horror films, were watched by audiences of far more women than men. This has been puzzled over by many since horror has often been associated with misogyny. In 1982, American journalist Janet Maslin called horror films hardcore sexual pornography in a New York Times article, saying that it goes without saying that these films exploit and brutalize women. Ann Biller, director of The Love Witch, says, I would even argue that the misogyny is not only obvious, but it's the main appeal of these films to fans. But these critiques are narrow and usually specific to one subgenre or even just a handful of films. This really oversimplifies an entire genre most recently known for its innovation, where even the most stereotypical tropes are constantly being challenged, upended, and reinvented. As a recent article by Beth Younger on how the horror genre is fronting the gender equality movement pointed out, the genre has moved from taking pleasure in victimizing women to focusing on women as survivors and as our protagonists. It has veered away from our stereotypical slashers and torture porn to a more substantive, nuanced film that comments on social issues and possesses an aesthetic vision. Women are assuming central roles, not only as victims, but even as our monsters and heroes. Each year, the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media publishes research that shows how gender imbalance in film affects women and girls. For example, they found that positive and prominent roles for women in movies motivate women to be more ambitious, professionally and personally. But when there's a death of a woman being depicted, it has an opposite negative effect. A recent study done by Google and the Gina Davis Institute studied this phenomenon across multiple genres. They developed something called the GDIQ, or the Gina Davis Inclusion quotient, which is facilitated by machine learning technology, which y'all know I could just talk about forever. But the goal was to recognize patterns in gender, screen time, and speaking time that the casual movie viewer might often overlook. The results of the study told a familiar story. In film, men are seen and heard twice as often as women, but there was one exception, horror films. But what about masculinity, though? We talk a lot on this podcast, obviously, about the representation and misrepresentation of women, but I do want to dig into a little bit on how men are stereotyped and the effects that this has on real life. Masculinity and aggression are almost always hand-in-hand in in our horror films. Linked to testosterone, aggression is a masculine trait that comes to mind for many people. It is certainly a trait that the horror genre loves to exploit, for better or worse. But the way in which most violence is portrayed desensitizes viewers to a victim 
victims' pain and suffering. If audiences are sitting in theaters seeing a parade of male killers over and over slashing people left and right, aren't movies ultimately saying that men are monsters? And before you come for me, as I have mentioned before, this isn't something that I'm going to argue against. Are a lot of men monsters? Absolutely. Is male entitlement and violence a widespread issue? Yeah. But are a lot of you genuinely great people? Also, yes, these aren't mutually exclusive things. But something that I do want to make clear here for the not all men and the what you're saying feels like it's tiptoeing on misandry crowd, you know good and well that you don't sincerely think that women that talk about the violence that we've been subjected to at the hands of men are under the impression that every single man on the planet has behaved in a similar way. Yes, we know that not every man is responsible. And yes, we know that you would never do that. This argument really doesn't add to the discussion or develop it in any productive way. All it does is derail and dismiss the very real lived experiences of women and girls. And what the men that leap to remind us of this, that, you know, not all men are like that, are actually saying is, I'm not like that. Or to put it another way, they're just letting women know that discussing the misogyny that we face makes them uncomfortable and they would like to be absolved of blame before they will let women continue the conversation. A startling 98% of women over the age of 18 have experienced some kind of sexual assault. So no, not all men, but certainly a lot of you. And enough of you that we are scared and we don't know which one of you we are safe to be around. But this tangent is important because no, not all men are monsters. But when we on this podcast or as women speak about the horrors of men, we are just speaking generally for the sake of brevity. We know that many of you are great allies to us and we understand that it's not mutually exclusive for you to both have our backs in this realm, but also be mentally exhausted by hearing that you're awful over and over. And we do think it's awful that films, horror specifically, so often and heavily leans into these perpetuating themes of toxic masculinity. By only showing men in this light, we really aren't creating space for healthy masculinity or positive change to blossom and nothing will ever change. Same way that only showing women as feeble victims is desensitizing us to a very real problem. In Scream, the boyfriend betrays Sydney's trust, kills her mom and quote, steals Sydney's virginity. In Halloween, Michael Myers kills his teenage sister and later attempts to kill his other sister. And then you pair this idea of the weak female that we see in our horror films and the evil male that chases after that weak female. But it's just a horror movie. So what, right? And while they are just horror movies, they do say a lot about our culture and reflect what's happening right now. And it might not seem like it sometimes because they are well hidden between plot twists and chase scenes, but a lot of the context is so relevant to modern society. Horror films are fun because they scare us, they get our blood pumping, and they're just plain awesome. However, there is a lot of sexism that goes on in this genre, and it's not just with women. The perception of men is also pretty twisted in perpetuating these stereotypes that we need to end, and the lack of representation and constant demonizing of transgender and gender nonconforming people is also a topic for an entirely different minisode. But to always be leaning into these unjust stereotypes, we're just creating room for them to perpetually exist in our real world and let the problems continue. But horror does consistently serve to flip the script on a lot of our stereotypes about gender, sexuality, race, and so much more. It has for years served as this battering ram to break down these barriers and give us fresh new ideas ideas and views. Some of my favorite movies that flip the traditional gender stereotypes that we've either done already or are coming up on our production schedule soon are Jennifer's Body, Alien, The Witch, Barbarian, and A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. 
So if you haven't watched those, definitely go check them out soon. But that's it for this mini-sode. If you like this episode, please download, subscribe, and share with a friend. And if you loved this episode, definitely still do all that, but leave us a review too. As always, it's awesome getting to talk with you about these things, and I can't wait to do it again soon. Stay creepy, friends. The Clever Ghouls podcast is run by Megan, Marissa, Blair, and Melissa. This episode was done by Megan. Our intro and outro music was created for us by Josh Marshall. Find his links in our show notes. For more episodes and other spooky content, find us on your favorite social media platform through our handle at Clever Ghouls. Don't forget to subscribe and share. And if you really like our content, please leave us a review.